Chapter Sixteenth of *The Heart of Midlothian* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. And some they whistled, and some they sang, and some did loudly say, "Whenever Lord Barnard's horn it blew, away, Musgrave, away!" Ballad of Little Musgrave when the man of office returned to the heart of midlothian he resumed his conference with ratcliffe of whose experience and assistance he now held himself secure you must speak with this wench rat this effie deans you must sift her a wee bit for as sure as a tether she will ken robertson's haunts till her till her rat till her without delay craving your pardon mr sharpetlaw said the turnkey elect that's what i am not free to do free to do man what the devil ails she now i thought we had settled all that i dinna ken sir said ratcliffe i have spoken to this effie she's strange to this place and to its ways and to all our ways mr sharpetlaw and she greets the silly topai and she's breaking her heart already about this wild shield and were she the means of taking him she would break it outright she wanna have time lad said sharpetlaw the woody will have its own of her before that a woman's heart takes a long time of breaking that's according to the stuff they are made of sir replied ratcliffe but to make a long tale short i canna undertake the job it gangs against my conscience your conscience rat said sharpetlaw with a sneer which the reader will probably think very natural upon the occasion oh ay sir answered ratcliffe calmly just my conscience a body has a conscience though it may be ill onein at it i think mine's as well out of the gate as most folks are and yet it's just like the noop of my elbow it whiles get a bit dural on a corner well rat replied sharpetlaw since ye are nice i'll speak to the hussy myself sharpetlaw accordingly caused himself to be introduced into the little dark apartment tenanted by the unfortunate effie deans the poor girl was seated on her little flock bed plunged in a deep reverie some food stood on the table of a quality better than is usually supplied to prisoners but it was untouched the person under whose care she was more particularly placed said that sometimes she tasted nothing from the ta end of the four-and-twenty hours to the other except a drink of water sharpetlaw took a chair and commanding the turnkey to retire he opened the conversation endeavouring to throw into his tone and countenance as much commiseration as they were capable of expressing for the one was sharp and harsh the other sly acute and selfish how's all with ye effie how do ye you find yourself hinny a deep sigh was the only answer 
are the folks civil to ye effie it's my duty to inquire very civil sir said effie compelling herself to answer yet hardly knowing what she said and your victuals continued sharpetlaw in the same condoling tone do you get what you like or is there anything you would particularly fancy as your health seems but silly it's all very well sir i thank ye said the poor prisoner in a tone how different from the sportive vivacity of those of the lily of st leonard's it's all very good o'er good for me he must have been a great villain effie who brought you to this pass said sharpetlaw the remark was dictated partly by a natural feeling of which even he could not divest himself though accustomed to practise on the passions of others and keep a most heedful guard over his own and partly by his wish to introduce the sort of conversation which might best serve his immediate purpose indeed upon the present occasion these mixed motives of feeling and cunning harmonized together wonderfully for said sharpetlaw to himself the greater rogue robertson is the more will be the merit of bringing him to justice he must have been a great villain indeed he again reiterated and i wish i had the scalping of him i may blame myself more than him said effie i was bred up to ken better but he poor fellow she stopped was a thorough blackguard all his life i dare say said sharpetlaw a stranger he was in this country and a companion of that lawless vagabond wilson i think effie it would have been dearly telling him that he had never seen wilson's face that's very true that you are saying effie said sharpetlaw where was it that robertson and you were used to hauf together some gate about the la calton i am thinking the simple and dispirited girl had thus far followed mr sharpetlaw's lead because he had artfully adjusted his observations to the thoughts he was pretty certain must be passing through her own mind so that her answers became a kind of thinking aloud a mood into which those who are either constitutionally absent in mind or are rendered so by the temporary pressure of misfortune may be easily led by a skilful train of suggestions but the last observation of the procurator fiscal was too much of the nature of a direct interrogatory and it broke the charm accordingly what was it that i was saying said effie starting up from her reclining posture seating herself upright and hastily shading her dishevelled hair back from her wasted but still beautiful countenance she fixed her eyes boldly and keenly upon sharpetlaw you are too much of a gentleman sir too much of an honest man to take any notice of what a poor creature like me says that can hardly call my senses my own god help me advantage i would be of some advantage to you if i could 
said sharpetlaw in a soothing tone and i ken nothing so likely to serve ye effie as gripping this rascal robertson oh dinna miscall him sir that never miscalled you robertson i am sure i had nothing to say against any man of the name and nothing will i say but if you do not heed your own misfortune effie you should mind what distress he has brought on your family said the man of law oh heaven help me exclaimed poor effie my poor father my dear genie oh that's sorest to bide of all oh sir if you have any kindness if ye have any touch of compassion for all the folk i see here are as hard as the wallstones if ye would but bid them let my sister jeanie in the next time she calls for when i hear them put her away from the door and cannot climb up to that high window to see so muckle as her gown tail it's like to put me out of my judgment and she looked on him with a face of entreaty so earnest yet so humble that she fairly shook the steadfast purpose of his mind you shall see your sister he began if you'll tell me then interrupting himself he added in a more hurried tone no damn it you shall see your sister whether you tell me anything or no so saying he rose up and left the apartment when he had rejoined ratcliffe he observed you are right ratton there's no making much of that lassie but one thing i have cleared that is that robertson has been the father of the bairn and so i will wager a bottle it will be he that's to meet with jeanie deans this night at mushat's cairn and there we'll nail him rat or my name is not gideon sharpetlaw but said ratcliffe perhaps because he was in no hurry to see anything which was like to be connected with the discovery and apprehension of robertson and that were the case mr butler would have kenned the man in the king's park to be the same person with him in madge wildfire's clays that headed the mob that makes no difference man replied sharpetlaw the dress the light the confusion and maybe a touch of a blacket cork or a slack of paint-hout ratton i have seen ye dress your own self that the devil ye belong to durstna have made oath to ye and that's true too said ratcliffe and besides ye donnard carl continued sharpetlaw triumphantly the minister did say that he thought he knew something of the features of the berkey that spoke to him in the park though he could not charge his memory where or when he had seen them it's evident then your honour will be right said ratcliffe then rat you and i will go with the party ourselves this night and see him in grips or we are done with him i see na muckle use i can be of to your honour said ratcliffe reluctantly use answered sharpetlaw you can guide the party you ken the ground besides i do not intend to quit sight of you my good friend till i have him in hand well sir said ratcliffe 
but in no joyful tone of acquiescence ye maun have it your own way but mind he's a desperate man we shall have that with us answered sharpetlaw that will settle him if it is necessary but sir answered ratcliffe i am sure i could not undertake to guide you to mushat's cairn in the night-time i ken the place as many does in fair daylight but how to find it by moonshine among so many crags and stains as like to each other as the collier to the devil is more than i can tell i might as soon seek moonshine in water what's the meaning of this ratcliffe said sharpetlaw while he fixed his eye on the recusant with a fatal and ominous expression have you forgotten that you are still under sentence of death no sir said ratcliffe that's a thing no easily put out of memory and if my presence be judged necessary no doubt i maun gang with your honour but i was gone to tell your honour of one that has more skill of the gate than me and that's even madge wildfire the devil she has do you think me as mad as she is to trust to her guidance on such an occasion your honour is the best judge answered ratcliffe but i can i can keep her in tune and gar her hide the straight path she often sleeps out or rambles about among the hills the whole summer night the daft limmer well ratcliffe replied the procurator fiscal if you think she can guide us the right way but take heed to what you are about your life depends on your behaviour it's a sore judgment on a man said ratcliffe when he has once gone so far wrong as i have done that devil a bit he can be honest try it whilk way he will such was the reflection of ratcliffe when he was left a few minutes to himself while the retainer of justice went to procure a proper warrant and give the necessary directions the rising moon saw the whole party free from the walls of the city and entering upon the open ground arthur's seat like a couchant lion of immense size salisbury crags like a huge belt or girdle of granite were dimly visible holding their path along the southern side of the cannon gate they gained the abbey of holyrood house and from thence found their way by step and style into the king's park they were at first four in number an officer of justice and sharpetlaw who were well armed with pistols and cutlasses ratcliffe who was not trusted with weapons lest he might peradventure have used them on the wrong side and the female but at the last stile when they entered the chase they were joined by other two officers whom sharpetlaw desirous to secure sufficient force for his purpose and at the same time to avoid observation had directed to wait for him at this place ratcliffe saw this accession of strength with some disquietude for he had hitherto thought it likely that robertson who was a bold stout and active young fellow might have made his escape from sharpetlaw 
and the single officer by force or agility without his being implicated in the matter but the present strength of the followers of justice was overpowering and the only mode of saving robertson which the old sinner was well disposed to do providing always he could accomplish his purpose without compromising his own safety must be by contriving that he should have some signal of their approach it was probably with this view that ratcliffe had requested the addition of madge to the party having considerable confidence in her propensity to exert her lungs indeed she had already given them so many specimens of her clamorous loquacity that charpetlaw half determined to send her back with one of the officers rather than carry forward in his company a person so extremely ill-qualified to be a guide in a secret expedition it seemed too as if the open air the approach to the hills and the ascent of the moon supposed to be so portentous over those whose brain is infirm made her spirits rise in a degree tenfold more loquacious than she had hitherto exhibited to silence her by fair means seemed impossible authoritative commands and coaxing entreaties she set alike at defiance and threats only made her sulky and altogether intractable is there no one of you said charpetlaw impatiently that knows the way to this accursed place this nickel mushat's cairn excepting this mad clavering idiot devil one of them kens it except myself exclaimed madge how should they the poor fool cowards but i have sat on the grave from bat fleeing time till cook crow and had many a fine crack with mushet and ally mushet that are lying sleeping below the devil take your crazy brain said charpetlaw will you not allow the men to answer a question the officers obtaining a moment's audience while ratcliffe diverted madge's attention declared that though they had a general knowledge of the spot they could not undertake to guide the party to it by the uncertain light of the moon with such accuracy as to ensure success to their expedition what shall we do ratcliffe said charpetlaw if he sees us before we see him and that's what he is certain to do if we go strolling about without keeping the straight road we may bid good day to the job and i would rather lose one hundred pounds both for the credit of the police and because the provost says somebody mon be hanged for this job of porteous come of it what likes i think said ratcliffe we mon just try madge and i'll see if i can get her keep it in any better order and at any rate if he should hear her skirting her old ends of songs he's no to ken for that that there's anybody with her that's true said charpetlaw and if he thinks her alone he's as like to come towards her as to rend from her so set forward we have lost over muckle time already see to get her to keep the right road 
and what sort of house does nickel moshat and his wife keep now said ratcliffe to the mad woman by way of humouring her vein of folly they were but thrown folk lang syne and all tales be true oh ay 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 but all's forgotten now replied madge in the confidential tone of a gossip giving the history of her next-door neighbour ye see i spoke to them myself and told them bygones should be bygones her throat's sore misgoggled and meshackered though she wears her corpse sheet drawn well up to hide it but that canna hinder the blood seeping through ye can i wust her to wash it in st anthony's well and that will cleanse if anything can but they say blood never bleaches out of linen cloth deacon sanders knew cleansing draps when a do it i tried them myself on a bit rag we have at home that was mailed with the blood of a bit skirting ween that was hurt some gate but out it winna come well ye'll say that's queer but i will bring it out to st anthony's blessed well some bra night just like this and i'll cry up ailie mushat and she and i will have a grand bowking washing and bleach our clothes in the beams of the bonny lady moon that's far pleasanter to me than the sun the sun's o'er het and ken ye comers my brains are het enough already but the moon and the dew and the night wind they are just like a collar kelblade laid on my brow and whilst i think the moon just shines on purpose to pleasure me when nobody sees her but myself this raving discourse she continued with prodigious volubility walking on at a great pace and dragging ratcliffe along with her while he endeavoured in appearance at least if not in reality to induce her to moderate her voice all at once she stopped short upon the top of a little hillock gazed upward fixedly and said not one word for the space of five minutes what the devil is the matter with her now said sharpetlaw to ratcliffe can you not get her forward ye maun just take a grain of patience with her sir said ratcliffe she'll no go a foot faster than she likes herself damn her said sharpetlaw i'll take care she has her time in bedlam or bridewell or both for she's both mad and mischievous in the meanwhile madge who had looked very pensive when she first stopped suddenly burst into a vehement fit of laughter then paused and sighed bitterly then was seized with a second fit of laughter then fixing her eyes on the moon lifted up her voice and sung good even good fair moon good even to thee i prithee dear moon now show to me the form and the features the speech and degree of the man that true lover of mine shall be but i need not ask that of the bonny lady moon i ken that well enough myself 
true love though he wasna but nobody shall say that i ever told a word about the matter but whiles i wish the bairn had lived well god guide us there's a heaven aboon us all here she sighed bitterly and a bonny moon and sterns in it forby and here she laughed once more are we to stand here all night said sharpetlaw very impatiently drag her forward ay sir said ratcliffe if we canned whelk way to drag her that would settle it at once come madge henny addressing her we'll no be in time to see nickel and his wife unless ye show us the road in troth and that i will raton she said seizing him by the arm and resuming her route with huge strides considering it was a female who took them and i'll tell ye raton blythe will nickel mashat be to see ye for he says he kens well there isna such a villain out of hell as ye are and he would be ravished to have a crack with you like to like ye ken it's a proverb never fails and ye are both a pair of the devil's peats i trow hard to ken while deserves the headest corner of his ingleside ratcliffe was conscience struck and could not forbear making an involuntary protest against this classification i never shed blood he replied but ye have sold it ratton ye have sold blood money a time folk kill with the tongue as well as with the hand with the word as well as with the gully it is the bonny butcher lad that wears the sleeves of blue he sells the flesh on saturday on friday that he slew and what is that i am doing now thought ratcliffe but i'll have no white of robertson's young blood if i can help it then speaking apart to madge he asked her whether she did not remember any of her old songs many a dainty one said madge and blithely can i sing them for lightsome songs make merry gait and she sang when the glids in the blue cloud the lavrock lies still when the hounds in the greenwood the hind keeps the hill silence her cursed noise if you should throttle her said sharpetlaw i see somebody yonder keep close my boys and creep round the shoulder of the height george poinder stay you with ratcliffe and that mad yelling bitch and you other two come with me round under the shadow of the bray and he crept forward with the stealthy pace of an indian savage who leads his band to surprise an unsuspecting party of some hostile tribe ratcliffe saw them glide off avoiding the moonlight and keeping as much in the shade as possible robertson's done up said he to himself these young lads are eyes so thoughtless what devil could he have to say to Jeanie deans or to any woman on earth that he should gang away and get his neck raxed for her and this mad queen after cracking like a pen-gun and skirling like a peahen for the whole night behooves just to have hadden her tongue 
when her clavers might have done some good but it's i the way with women if they ever hand their tongues away ye may swear it's for mischief i wish i could set her on again without this blood-sucker kenning what i am doing but he's as gleg as mckeechin's elshin that ran through sacks piles of bend leather and half an inch into the king's heel he then began to hum but in a very low and suppressed tone the first stanza of a favourite ballad of wildfires the words of which bore some distant analogy with the situation of robertson trusting that the power of association would not fail to bring the rest to her mind there's a bloodhound ranging tinwald wood there's harness glancing sheen there's a maiden sits on tinwald bray and she sings loud between madge had no sooner received the catchword than she vindicated ratcliffe's sagacity by setting off at score with the song o oh, sleep ye sound sir james she said when ye should rise and ride there's twenty men with bow and blade are seeking where ye hide though ratcliffe was at a considerable distance from the spot called mushat's cairn yet his eyes practised like those of a cat to penetrate darkness could mark that robertson had caught the alarm george poinder less keen of sight or less attentive was not aware of his flight any more than charpetlaw and his assistants whose view though they were considerably nearer to the cairn was intercepted by the broken nature of the ground under which they were screening themselves at length however after the interval of five or six minutes they also perceived that robertson had fled and rushed hastily towards the place while charpetlaw called out aloud in the harshest tones of a voice which resembled a sawmill at work chase lads chase hauled the bray i see him on the edge of the hill then hollowing back to the rear-guard of his detachment he issued his farther orders ratcliffe come here and detain the woman george run and kept the stile at the duke's walk ratcliffe come here directly but first knock out that mad bitch's brains ye had better run for it madge said ratcliffe for its ill dealing with an angry man madge wildfire was not so absolutely void of common sense as not to understand this innuendo and while ratcliffe in seemingly anxious haste of obedience hastened to the spot where sharpetlaw waited to deliver up genie deans to his custody she fled with all the dispatch she could exert in an opposite direction thus the whole party were separated and in rapid motion of flight or pursuit excepting ratcliffe and genie whom although making no attempt to escape he held fast by the cloak and who remained standing by mushat's cairn End of chapter 16th